All right, we're talking free agents right here on the Fantasy Whispers. It's pretty crazy. We're going to talk about it. Right here. Botched intro, but we are live. If you are hearing my voice or seeing my beautiful mug, do us a huge favor. Hit the like button and share this on whatever platform you are on. It really helps with the algorithms and helps us grow the channel. We are trying to stop the spread of the virus but also grow as fast as the virus did over here at the Fantasy Whispers. Spread it out. And you guys can help us by getting on that social media, helping us with the algorithms and giving us a follow and helping us, uh, you know, continue this dream and chase after, you know, bringing you fresh content each and every day. If you're new to the Fantasy Whispers, welcome. Hit us up with that follow. As I said, subscribe if you can. We release fantasy football content daily. You can find us on our um, you know, short shows that we do, our clips that we release, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and on Spotify. Just search The Fantasy Whispers or go to thefantasywhispers.com, and we got the links for everything right there. Johnny, we're here to talk free agency 2021. Uh, the new year started. It came in a flash. We had a up-and-down free agency situation. We might have had more excitement in these preemptive draft trades than we actually have in free agency, but we're going to spend some time and go through those players. Um, Johnny, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited to, to talk about uh, the couple of guys that did change teams and what that might mean. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk about the other guys that, uh, you know, maybe they stayed with the same team, uh, but what that could ultimately mean. Will their season be benefited or will should you stay away? Should you sell high right now? Uh, we'll talk about that. I'm excited about this show. I'm excited to be live with you on on the show, Travis. Uh been waiting uh, like a whole hour to go live with this show, and uh, I'm excited to dive in here, man. Nothing like the Fantasy Whispers having technical difficulties. That is what we do. We do it all the time. Um, but it was good. It's good to get on here and actually do this. Um, and let's get into it. But first, you did have a question of the day. We were do- we've been doing mock drafts. So you guys, if, if you don't know, uh, we do mock drafts every Monday, mock draft Monday. We get on there. Uh, so make sure you're following, subscribed, so you can check us out on all those platforms we do that on. But, Johnny, you've been noticing some guys slipping and maybe slipping for you that you, uh, you're you okay with. Yeah, so, uh, you know, here we talk a lot of draft, uh, a lot of draft strategy, uh, a lot of draft advice. And so, Travis, I have a question for you. It is always a nice thing. You know, you don't always want to do it, but from time to time you have to. What is one player that you will let slip knowing that he's not going to make it back around to you, but you want to put that out there so that way you're able to get maybe another player that you're more so excited about? Almost like, you know, a trap, a, a banana peel as you would say, or as I like to say, a poop dollar. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me which guy you would let slip, dude. Well, this one's hard. Uh, you, you sprung this a little bit on me, um, you know, right, right off the, out of the gate. You didn't let me know. It's not unlike you to not share notes with me uh, and help me get prepared for the show. So, look, I can't be held responsible for this. This is all Johnny's fault. Um, but I will go ahead and start by saying, that I think one of the guys I'm letting slip uh, is is really Jonathan Taylor. And that's not because I don't love Jonathan Taylor, Johnny. I think he's fantastic. I think his ceiling is within the top five, hands down. I have a little bit of trepidation taking him there with Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook because, look, let's go apples to apples here. Jonathan Taylor and two other running backs were really good down the stretch last year. For the last four to five weeks, it was Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, and Derrick Henry. Right now, Jonathan Taylor did what what Derrick Henry did all year long in four weeks, and we're taking Jonathan Taylor ahead of Derrick Henry. But I'll do you one even better. Dave Montgomery's going in the fourth round, Johnny. So you say, okay, well, what's different about these two? They have this similar situation going on in Indianapolis and Chicago, coaches who like to use multiple backs. Um, You look at the backs they brought in. We're going to talk a little bit about this, I think. You know, Damian Harris went to Chicago. Marlon Mack was re-signed in Indianapolis. Their situations are not really that different, Johnny. So you could say physical attributes. You could say 
prospect-wise, Jonathan Taylor, yes, superior uh, over David Montgomery, but both of them proved that they could do exactly the same thing on the field, Johnny. And I think we're getting David Montgomery at a way better discount than we are Jonathan Taylor because the floor for Jonathan Taylor could be some of that funkiness we were seeing when Naheem Hines got a lot more carries than we wanted. If Marlon Mack vultures a couple touchdowns, hell, even Trey Burton was getting some touchdowns. When we look at Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, those guys are getting the ball in the red zone, and there's no doubt about it. That's the guy who gets it. So there's just a little bit of concern there for me with Jonathan Taylor and not to take the low-hanging fruit, but he's in the top five, and I think we need to just kind of chill. I hope that it gets closer to the end of the first. I would feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great point to bring up Jonathan Taylor because he's going to be talked about quite often uh, this offseason. Where exactly does he fit in that first round? I do agree he does belong in the first round, and I do also believe he, he does more so belong in the back half of that first round than the front half. We all saw what the upside was, and then and and we could even say that the upside could have been even higher if Jonathan Taylor was the only back there, or you know he was just basically splitting time with Naheem Hines. But you know, as you alluded to before, we'll talk about an adding that they they signed, and frankly, none of us saw that coming. And I think that that was why his his draft value was so high in the beginning, and I think it will cool back down as the second you know, part of this summer comes and we start getting more information. I do think he'll settle back in that second half. Travis, a guy I want to talk about uh, for this question that I would let slip, uh, because this is also going probably to shock a lot of people. Um, I think that I'll probably get a lot of uh, of hate for this, but I got to be honest and I got to just Throw up the caution flags. I'm going to be the friend to you to whisper nation. I'll be that friend that takes the bullet that tells you, hey, here are the caution flags before you get into this relationship, just so you know, all right? And that is, that, that's going to be wide receiver Jamar Chase. And I know I'm going to, like, people are already going to be hitting that thumbs down button and stuff like that. And just hear me out. Hear me out. This is all I'm saying. We have to look at what transpired with all rookies last year. There were a lot of breakout uh, wide receivers. We had T. Higgins. We had C.D. Lamb. We had uh, Justin Jefferson. That was the big one. That's the the wide receiver everyone is looking at and saying, oh, but Justin Jefferson went to school with uh, Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase is the better wide receiver, so automatically we should say he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. And currently, no, is Jamar Chase being selected as a top 10 wide receiver? No, but it's really close. It's a top 20 he's being selected, and he hasn't done anything. He hasn't even been drafted to a team. And I just want to say pump the brakes a little bit. We have to remember that Justin Jefferson wasn't the number one wide receiver coming out of uh, college. He wasn't, uh, you know, touted as that. You know, people were saying CeeDee Lamb was the best wide receiver. People were saying Jerry Judy was the best wide receiver in this class. And, you know, they would often put, you know, T. Higgins even ahead of that. And so all of those guys are great wide receivers. But you saw Justin uh, Justin Jefferson was the wide receiver that came up and and dominated. And I think we're getting just a little too excited about what his potential could be and already putting him in ranks that frankly Justin Jefferson only had the likes of OBJ that was the only comp of a rookie season in history and so it's it's not fair especially especially without knowing what his team is we don't have any idea what his situation is too and right now just looking at one of our you know our, our last 12 team PPR mock draft these were the wide receivers taking taken after Jamar Chase in that draft. DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, T. Higgins, Adam Thielen. I would take all of these guys. I would take the next round almost, too. You've got Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, these are guys I'm going to take over Jamar Chase until I know where he's going, know he's going to have elite production. You know, if he somehow, I don't think this could happen, but if he somehow went to the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe then you could have yeah, a case okay. where you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah disregard yeah, what I, I just said. Though. But I just... I don't think it's wise right now to be gassing up these uh, rookies when we don't know what's going on with them yet. And like you said, there's just been so much data to prove that, you know, 
Justin Jefferson had to be a world beater to get there. And remember, it didn't start all roses for Justin Jefferson either. We thought that he was maybe going to take longer to come to fruition, um, but it ended up working out. I still think you need to take advantage of the fact that rookies are late bloomers and take advantage of that by getting them in later rounds if you want to take that dart throw. Don't make them anchor your wide receiving core. That's not something you want to do because you'll end up in trouble. Right. Love All right, well, Johnny, let's get into this. This is the free agent frenzy. We're going live here on Wednesday, March 31st. If you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit subscribe. Hit like if you're listening, watching on any platform. Hit that like button, comment, and let us know what your biggest free agent storyline was this year. Uh, we'd like to hear from you, Whisper Nations. But first, we're going to get into this free agent frenzy. And Aaron Jones is the number one uh, guy we're going to talk about. Resigns with the Packers, Johnny. Uh, four-year, $48 million contract. They keep uh, Aaron Jones in Green Bay despite th- what we all thought was not going to happen. Uh, we thought that they were going to go ahead and maybe sign Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon and let them roll with it, use some of that money for wide receivers. Um, you know, if I'm honest as a Packers fan, just speaking bluntly here, I think this is the right move because he is such a key point uh, cog of this running game and then everything opens up off the running game you know if you want to talk about a second wide receiver to Devontae Adams it really has been Aaron Jones over the last few years Uh, you look at the targets 63 68 over the last two years 47 and 49 catches on those targets uh the touchdowns have been through the roof, 19 touchdowns total in 2019, 11 touchdowns in 2020. This is a guy that finds the end zone. This is a guy that is electric. We've been talking about his, you know, running back five and standard and PPR last year, running back three and two in standard and PPR the year before. Uh, if healthy, if on the field, if, if given the right change of pace back, which Jamal Williams leaves town, we'll talk about him next. A.J. Dillon will now step up into the Jamal Williams type role. Uh, this is a perfect combo and a perfect, you know, compliment to Aaron Jones. And I think he's going right where he should uh, be going, Johnny. He's going at the end of the first in a lot of the mocks we've done. Um, we're hoping that that doesn't go a little bit even further. But the A.J. Dillon presence, I think, is always going to keep him a little bit there because uh, he's going to have Alvin Kamara-like games where he's not going to get you 20 carries, but he's going to get it done on 12 carries. Do you just, I mean, looking at the stats, so he went from 19 total touchdowns. We knew that he was going to get a touchdown regression. We knew that was going to happen because his touchdown rate was like six and a half percent. That's insane. Um, So it did come down. We knew that to 11 touchdowns. Do you expect... Aaron Jones touchdowns to continue to fall a little bit more. We, we, we know he's a fantastic running back and he's built on uh, just, he's just so efficient with his, his opportunities Uh, almost, almost one full fantasy point per opportunity uh, is what is what he had last year. And so do you expect with AJ Dillon being the wrecking ball that he is, do you expect those touchdowns to come down even further next year? And if if that is the case, then do we actually need to consider being like, yeah, AJ AJ uh, Aaron Jones should be in the second round more so than the back end of the first round? Like, let me ask you: Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or would you rather have Aaron Jones? At the back of the first, I'm probably yeah. taking Taylor. I think Taylor is probably built more as a workhorse running back. So I, I do think the Colts want to mix it up. That's why they brought Mac in. They want to have depth. I get that. I think when they see how good Taylor is, is like they saw down the stretch, they're going to feed him the ball consistently and give him the 20 plus carries. What, what Shan or not Shanahan, sorry, uh, LaFleur has done with Aaron Jones is realized like we can rotate guys in and this running game stays the same. But when Jones comes in, he gives us that opportunity for the home run hit. So he's not exactly the same kind of specialist that Taylor is uh, as far as running back. So I think, you know, his upside's there and he's definitely got touchdown upside playing on an Aaron Rodgers offense. Um, You know, we talked about this a little off air when we were spending some time together last week or a couple weeks ago. Jamal Williams didn't really get a lot of red zone work. Neither did A.J. Dillon. I mean, it was still Aaron Jones who dominated the red zone. So I don't see why that would change unless... They want to, you know, say, let's protect our investment and give Aaron A.J. Dillon a few more red zone carries. I don't think it's going to be anything detrimental to the touchdown upside of Aaron Jones. I I just I I want to get out of the habit of doubting the touchdown upside for him, because once again, he plays on the Aaron Rodgers offense and Mm -hmm. it goes Aaron Rodgers. It goes uh, Devontae Adams and then Aaron Jones. And that's the level. And those three cogs make that offense go. So uh, I wouldn't doubt that he's going to be a focal point of the offense this year, especially given the money they contributed. to. 100 percent. 
I just want to uh, give a shout out real quick. Uh, we have Rob Shorter in here. Says, what's up? Uh, Evening Whisper Nation. What's up, Rob? And then we got a new cook. Yeah, Cooked FN says, what's up, guys? Just found your channel yesterday. Welcome in. Well, welcome Appreciate in. Appreciate the find. Hopefully you're subscribed and you're following us on the other platforms. Uh, we're going to help you win that fantasy championship this year, get you some hardware. And and remember, you can you can support us in, the, in a big way that way. Uh, if you guys are looking to support us in other ways, we do have Patreon up and running for the year. Uh, we're going to be doing some giveaways uh, later today, actually, for those that subscribe on Patreon. So make sure you get over there. Look, we've got the we've got five dollar level, ten dollar level. We got easy ways for you to help us chase this dream, but then also get yourself in on some really cool prizes, uh, some football cards that we got going on, Discord chats that we've got going on, uh, all sorts of bonus content that we'll be able to put out for you. So go to Patreon.com, search the Fantasy Whispers today, and thank you, Rob. Thank you, Cooked FN, for joining us, Johnny. The next one on the list is Jamal Williams to the Detroit Lions. Um, <clears throat> You're you're Deshaun, you're DeAndre Swift truther. Anything to really report on here? Um, it was a little disappointing. Of course, I wanted them. It was a little bit realistic. I knew that they were going to sign somebody else. Uh, you know, they let it, let AP go. It just I like Jamal Williams, and you know how much I love DeAndre Swift. I do. We talked about this a little bit, you and I off off air. You know, Jamal Williams does have the potential to come in and take some of that goal goal line work. Um, it was an area of struggle a little bit for DeAndre Swift. He fumbled a couple of times on the goal line. It will be interesting to see how this pans out. But overall, uh, I, I still think it's it's just an added running back of depth. I do think that Jamal Williams will probably get about 100 touches, but nothing too significant to really hinder uh, DeAndre Swift. I think, I think we'll still see it. Or, and I also have seen theories as well. I just want to throw this out there that there are rumors that because of the lack of weapons right now for Detroit, that they could actually put DeAndre Swift more in the slot uh, and then use Jamal Williams as the primary running back or or the, you know, the running back at that time. So that is something to note uh, as we do uh, get closer to drafts. Keep an eye on that. We'll see what beat reporters say. If that's actually something that could possibly happen, then we'd have to kind of take Jamal Williams a little bit more seriously, in my opinion. But as of right now, Travis, tell me if you think of anything different, but I, I just think he's more of like a handcuff right now. I'm not yeah, too I think that's correct. I think what we've heard from, st- uh, you know, the coaching staff uh, about Swift, that he's an all around back. We know that he is. He was prospected as such uh, just a talented, talented running back. And then you bring in Jamal Williams. He's just a coach's coach's pet, essentially. He's going to do all the right things, pass block, do all those things well. Um, 107 carries uh, was his max in 2019, 119 in 2020. Uh, just, uh, just over four yards per carry. Nothing special out of Jamal Williams. But this is a guy who's going to be the change of pace guy. And, yeah, he'll have a couple touchdowns, but only a couple. Like la- last year, only two rushing touchdowns. So we talked about Aaron Jones's d- decrease in, in in rushing touchdowns. It wasn't because Jamal Williams was vulturing a bunch of stuff. That's not going to be the case here. I think Swift's going to be used in the red zone because he's their best playmaker uh, in that room. So for me, I think you can be confident. And actually, you like stuff like this because it helps the ADP when you're going to draft Swift. And if you can you know, afford to wait just a little bit longer on a guy, uh, you, you try to do that. And I think Swift is poised for a breakout year here. All right, our next uh, running back on the list to move teams is Kenyon Drake, your boy, Johnny. Kenyon Drake goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, who essentially just hate uh, they hate Josh their guy. Jacobs. Josh dude. Jacobs, yeah, I blanked there. I, I guess I hate him too because <laughs> I forgot his name after they ended up uh, drafting or getting Kenyon Drake over there. How, what are your thoughts on the Kenyon Drake signing, Johnny? Uh, break this down for me because I think I, I really don't know what to make of either Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake, you know, Kenyon Drake might be a value going later because of his pass catching work, maybe. And that that's exactly my thoughts, right? Uh, if he, if you maybe go wide receiver heavy in the beginning, now I, I wouldn't want Kenyon Drake as my RB one, uh, but I do think if you're, you know, picking up RB twos, with you know, we've seen John Gruden. He likes to run the football. Like that's what he bases a lot of his his you know play action. That's what he wants to do. And I actually think that they brought in Kenyon Drake because they wanted to, um, you know, show off what Kenyon Kenyon Drake just really didn't get a lot of receiving options here because of Chase Edmonds. And, and I, 
I would think and the, and I would expect that when he goes to Las Vegas, they will use him in that way. And I do think this is a, a, a knock on on Josh Jacobs. I think that he no longer is in that, you know, he was in that turn discussion of the end of the first, early second. Um, he was going with Robinson a, a lot of times. You're like going back between an Austin Eckler, guys like that. I, I think that's out of the, the question now. I think he falls uh, realistically I mean, fourth round, I think he becomes kind of like that, low, you know, like we Mark Ingram kind of question mark of, of a couple of years ago. Exactly what is his volume going to be? Is he still the goal line guy? Uh, what is this workload going to split out to be? Because let's be frank, like Kenyon Drake is a good running back. I know a lot of people still knock on him. And, and that is the joke that, you know, Kenyon Drake isn't the greatest running back. Um, but I, I'll say looking at the numbers, he got 58 percent of the snap share last year. And uh, 239 carries, Travis, which was ranked seventh in the league. And he had the 12th most rushing yards uh, in the league. So uh, and he did. He was averaging 12.8 fantasy points per game, which was 24th in the league, which, you know, you would like to see that more more so up. But a big part of that was we have to remember Kyler was taking a lot of those rushing touchdowns. And so um, once again, I do think that I would rather take the the stab at Kenyon Drake a couple of rounds later. You know, he'll probably fall, you know, to the sixth, seventh round, maybe eighth round. And I'd rather just take that because we know that this is a run, run heavy offense. And so I'll, I'll take the cheaper guy if I want to invest in this. As of right now, they don't have like any offensive line. So I couldn't, I'll, I'll probably be staying away as of right now. Here's the thing. Josh Jacobs, 240 carries uh, two years ago, 270 carries last year. Uh, Devontae Booker, 93 carries last year. If you take Jalen Richard's carries, that was about 22. So that's about 100. So we're looking at like two set, 250 to 270 probably for Josh Jacobs and then another 100 or so uh, for Kenyon Drake. It's going to be interesting, though, to see the breakdown of these targets that are, are vacated here, 43 and 23 targets uh, in the last two years, uh, respectively for Jalen Richard, Josh Jacobs, uh, 45 targets was a career high last year. So if that can get to 50 or 60, I actually think that Jacobs might be getting a little slept on because of the Drake signing. If Drake absorbs the two roles of Devonta Booker and Jalen Richard, that's fine because Josh Jacobs can still do his thing. You'll get Jacobs at a discount for one of those mid-round running backs, hopefully, uh, third round or somewhere around there that you could get him for. And then you're sitting there with a guy that you know is going to get you know, 18 to 20 carries a game. Uh, he may not get the pass catching you want, but that you could do a lot worse for your RB2, RB3. So for me, right. I think Jacobs could end up, you know, people that are Jacobs truthers could end up, you know, coming up on top with house money on this uh, because of the Drake signing. So that's kind of my take on on what's going on here. And I think Drake, like to your point, Drake could be a value coming up. Um, 68 targets two years ago. That was what was so strange. 68 targets two years ago for Drake, and then last year only 31. So it was hella. It was hella strange because Kingsbury always throws to his running backs. Yeah, you know. But it, it seemed like Kyler was not about throwing to Drake so many times. You astutely pointed that out a couple times watching with you. Um, just interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what we see out of training camp for mm-hmm. the Raiders with those two running backs and how they, you know, some of these beat writers are going to say they split it up. We know Gruden wants to run. I mean, this guy still lives in the 80s. Like, he's going to want to run the football. Hey, but knock no if you're with me. Not yeah, knock on wood if you're with me. Well, uh, Mark Ingram is no longer with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he's going to the Houston Texans now. Um, and so is everybody else, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Lindsay gone to the Texans. Mark Ingram gone to the Texans. Um, David Johnson's still there. Uh, presumably and, uh, wait, they, they extended his contract. They extended or, David Johnson's contract, or restructured. Um, sorry. They restructured okay. his contract. What do you make of the Texans organization, uh, quarterback hey. running backs, uh, no. <laughs> big, big trust, bro. Big trust, yeah. dude. Uh, no, I <laughs> little trust. I, this is a dumpster fire. Well, if I'm going to take anybody on this backfield, it's going to be David Johnson. And I, you know, as bad as David Johnson was last year, he still got the job done. And for where you were getting him, uh, he still he still was able to help win you weeks. It wasn't as consistent as we'd like, but 
you know, he still saw 77% of the snap share. Um, he saw 46 targets. Remember the big knock was, oh, Deshaun Watson doesn't pass to his running backs. Well, you know, Deshaun, uh, David Johnson got quite a bit of opportunity there. Uh, fantasy points per game, David Johnson, 15, was ranked 13th in the league. So, I mean, realistically, I would say that David Johnson was a huge value last year and people still aren't um, on on board with that. I think especially with Mark Ingram going there and Philip Lindsay, it could even push that boat down a little bit further. I would still be willing to go as far as saying I would want David Johnson on my team, you know, as like an RB3 flex option with, you know, and I would play the, the up weeks. But I don't know, like Mark Ingram to me is just I, I think that was a signing because they needed like good press around Houston. I, I, don't quote me on that. I don't know that for sure, but th- that's what it seemed. And like Phil Lindsay, he, he's a cannon. He or he's a he's a cannonball that's that can be shot out of a cannon. And <laughs> <laughs> that did not make any sense. But what I'm saying is, is Phil Lindsay has an opportunity to easily be climb this depth chart. Like we wouldn't be surprised if Phil Lindsay was the lead back in Houston you know, come week eight because he's done it before he's out lasted guys and beat out guys. Phil Lindsay looks good on tape, but Denver just never really liked him. And so it'll be interesting to see how this running back backfield breaks down, but I don't presume that they would use Mark Ingram a whole lot. Like he looked pretty broken last year. Yeah. I think this one's interesting. You know, uh, we just had cooked FN say Raiders running back scare me, to be honest, going to yeah. be avoiding them unless it's great value. Look, I think it is, we kind of broke down the Raiders backs there, but I think the Houston backs are even scarier here. Um, Johnny, you did make a great point though, about David Johnson kind of piqued my interest. David Johnson was a top 24 back last year. Obviously he's not going to have the same amount of volume probably, but as an RB three, uh, in the seventh round is where he just went in one of our PPRs. Like, I, I don't know if that's where he'll end up going, but that's great value uh, for a guy that's probably going to get the touchdown looks uh, for this team if they get into scoring uh, range at all. But like, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's definitely not going to be pretty, but you could do a lot worse uh, when you're trying to find backs in ambiguous backfields because an injury to Mark Ingram or an injury uh, to Philip Lindsay means that volume goes right back. And then you could look at a ceiling of RB2 uh, for David Johnson. So I think that's important to note here. All right, moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about it at the top of the show. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack back in Indianapolis, Johnny. What uh, is this, dude? This is not something I'm uh, excited about in the least bit. A one-year deal worth $2 million. So, look, this is this is a nothing deal. Uh, it's a $2 million deal. Um, it, not, I don't mean $2 nothing. million dollars is nothing, bro. I nothing. would take $2 million. Johnny won't pay me that much. I've tried. We've negotiated much, a lot, but uh, – he still he won't even pay me two dollars. So <laughs> uh, good on you, Marlon Mack, for getting. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's nothing. You just said it's nothing. It's nothing as far as compared to what they're going to want out of him. I think this is really going to be the change of pace. But it does it does cause that pause for concern or cause for concern with Jonathan Taylor in the top five for me. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't sit here and look at other guys up there, and I'll say it again. You know, you look at guys, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, all of those guys, maybe not Nick Chubb as much because Kareem Hunt exists, but all of those guys deserve to be drafted ahead of Jonathan Taylor. They are going to be the guy that gets all of the carries and gets all of the receiving game work, the, you know, the little that there is, and they're going to get all the red zone work. So for me, uh, Marlon Mack signing, you know, may the money small, you cannot – I wouldn't worry about Taylor's ceiling, but it does kind of uh, limit him being the top five pick that everyone – you know, everybody wants to bank in on his ceiling now, and his top five status kind of get, takes a little bit of a hit with Marlon Mack coming back, but not not crazy amount because we know Marlon Mack, a little older, uh, coming, I, off of, coming off an Achilles. I, I'll um, be honest with you, dude. I I probably will be pretty interested in Marlon Mack this year. Um, and and the only reason I say that is because Marlon Mack is two years ago he had over a thousand yards rushing. Um, he's he's shown that he like we were a little bit surprised when they took Jonathan Taylor. Um, 
because they had Marlon Mack coming off this thousand yard rushing. And I think because of this injury, who we've seen a couple of uh, we've seen a couple of players come back from this injury, actually, uh, and, and perform OK. You know, like they weren't world beaters, but you're not going to draft Marlon Mack that way. But I do like to your case in point, like the deal is worth is not like significant. And so they might want to kind of save the mileage on Jonathan Taylor uh, a little bit if Marlon Mack is able to somewhat come back from this. So I, I, I'm not saying that Marlon Mack is going to be the guy that, you know, he's going to be a top 10 back and that's the guy that you should get. But I do think that there is some intrigue and upside, obviously, if anything were to happen to Jonathan Taylor, I think that right now Marlon Mack's going undrafted and and he should realistically probably be a guy that we should start looking at late in rounds as taking that dart throw uh, as like, wouldn't you agree? Like if Jonathan Taylor goes down, Marlon Mack would then significantly gain a lot more. Interest. Yeah, we saw this already. Like you said, two years ago, Marlon Mack did it. So we wouldn't be, you know, extremely surprised. Uh, he's definitely going to be one of the better handcuffs in the league. Um, that you could you could bank on production should anything happen, yeah. um, and we don't get that a lot. You know that's that's the kind of thing with these running backs is anything can happen. Now we may not even get that. Like they may draft yeah. a running back in the sixth or seventh that ends up being the guy that just outshines Mac. Should okay. Taylor go down, but that, that right now as it stands, uh, we we would believe that Marlon Mack would be in line here. All right, next in line on our show here is the New England Patriots who had a spending spree, Johnny. They went and got Hunter Henry. Uh, they didn't stop there at the tight end position. They got Jonu Smith as well. And then they also signed Nelson Aguilar. So, Johnny, I, I'm going to give it to you here. I'm going to give you the mic on the New England Patriots, what they've done as far as signing these guys and getting them to New England and what you think this means for the offense, what it means for each of them, and what it means for your boy Cam Newton. I am really excited to see how this pans out. Um, I think that there's a lot of upside that could potentially come from these signings. Um, but as we've seen before, these signings could flop uh, as we saw last year. But I want to remind people that in the first couple of games of last year, Cam Newton looked like the old Cam Newton and he looked like he was going to be back to that dominance. Like he was unstoppable those first two weeks. And I understand. I get it. Like we play f football and p fantasy football for a full 16 weeks. So you can't just say, oh, like you could probably take a lot of players to game, but best two games of the season and then make an argument. But hear me out. The players that they went out to get, Jonu Smith, this guy had uh, 65 targets last year. The year before, he had um, 45 targets. So they're going out and getting these guys that uh, can, and their target market share is 16%, 30% uh, red zone target market share. And they're getting these guys, these playmakers. So he went out and got uh, Hunter Henry, another guy who is a big playmaker and, and really good in the red zone, right? Because that's where they struggled. And so now if you're putting pieces around Cam Newton, who can go and and get contested catches? Who can who can push the ball down the field like they did in the past with great uh, with uh, Gronk and with Aaron Hernandez? I know we don't bring up that name too much on the show. We don't like to, but um, oh, dude, that's you, a deadly you bring, name. Dude. You bring in these guys. I mean, look at this: Jonu Smith, nine total touchdowns last year. Travis, number he was ranked number three for for tight ends. You bring in Hunter Henry, who we know how big of a body he is, and so. Now you're starting to put weapons friend of the around show, Hunter Henry, friend of the show, Hunter Henry. Now you're putting now you're putting weapons around Cam Newton. I think that this that Cam Newton could surprise a lot of people. And I'm not saying, you know, Cam Newton's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but I am saying that I wouldn't be shocked if he was a top 10 quarterback this year based on the weapons they brought in. And I would say that he is going to be a guy that I'm targeting late in drafts because I do think that there is some potential there. Now, I don't plan on going into week one as him as my quarterback, but I do want to go into week one with him on my bench as a backup quarterback because I know what the potential is. I know how smart Bill Belichick is, and the problem he had last year was finding wide receivers that could create separation. 
And that's what he went out and got in his two tight ends and, and Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is really great at separation. And he f- seemed to figure out the drop situation as well. So I, I just I am a fan of what they did. I know Big Travi isn't. He can tell you otherwise on why Cam Newton's a terrible quarterback, and it doesn't matter what pieces you put around because he's, he's. I think no he's, longer... I think he's dusty, man. I think he's dusted. I think I think he. His do you think completion... COVID had anything to do with it? Because he could, definitely could have been. Um, I you know let me let me just take a look here. I, I want I don't want to you know I don't want to continue to just dog Cam Newton. <laughs> I want to look at these two games that uh, you love to hang your hat on last year. Um, I'll pull him up right now. Yeah, so 19 of uh, 15 of 19 in the first game, then 30 of 44 against Seattle, um, 17 of 28. <laughs> he finished. He finished as the QB six week one right. and yeah. QB two week two. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think uh, you know you look at the touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns in that span. Um, passing touchdowns, only two in those first three games. So once again, uh, this is a guy who's going to live on the ground. I think they're going to build the team with the two tight ends. I think you're getting, you know, people are thinking, oh, we're getting weapons around him so he could throw. I think he, they want to make easy throws, Johnny, for him. They want, yeah. and that's why that's why they're putting those guys around him. So boost the completion percentage a bit. You know, do some right things there, but don't get it twisted that this guy will live on the ground. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He is going to go down as the greatest rushing quarterback touchdown wise of all time like that will be who he is um i just points count the same uh, they do until they do until you get a team that can stop the run um and when you can zone in on the run and you realize that he can't push the ball down the field he's easier to defend and we saw a lot of that i think of the san francisco game where he sunk fantasy lineups with a negative score uh i just think of some of these games arizona uh less than four points um the Rams four points uh, just like some God awful games here. And I just saw him, you know, especially in that San Fran game, just throwing ducks into the dirt. I get really scared about Cam Newton. Um, I think he's going late enough that you could take a, a fly as your second quarterback. Uh, but I would not want to be relying on him to come out of the gates hot again, like he did last year, especially when so much of that was on the rushing side. All right, Johnny, um, another blast from the past is AJ green who signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Johnny, does this have impact? I, I guess it has to impact both DeAndre Hopkins, both Kyler Murray, uh, both of those two guys. D- what can we say? I really wanted to pitch this to you. What can you say about AJ Green's uh, fan- fantasy value, if any, this year? Because we were we were taking Christian Kirk uh, at some spots for breakout possibility in this offense. Do we think that there's something brewing as far as uh, late late career magic for AJ Green? <laughs> He had 104 targets last year. Um, he had 87.4% route participation, um, where his big problem with target market share was 18.4%, Travis. I could honestly see that being very similar to what he gets in Arizona. Um, I, I know that they are going 25 deep targets. Like what these, what I'm seeing here of a snapshot of, you know, what they were trying to do with AJ Green last year. I think it could easily be very similar this year. The difference is, is last year, Cincinnati didn't put T. Higgins right away on the opposite side of AJ Green, right? Like AJ Green was a starting wide receiver with Tyler Boyd as the other wide receiver on the other side. And now when you're getting, you're, you're talking about one of, you know, I, I watched the tape. I watched some, some things. It, it wasn't, pretty as far as you know you're looking at sacks stats seven fantasy points per game that doesn't get you excited uh only 47 receptions but there were a lot of times when they weren't on the same page joe burrow and aj green weren't on the same page and that was the clear the clear i mean because aj green was getting nine ten targets per game i don't think he'll get that in arizona but again, if you scale that back, because I expect him to be the outside wide receiver with DeAndre Hopkins. Well, you're not going to put number one corners over on A.J. Green. You're going to put number two corners on A.J. Green. And so now you're telling me that even if his his target market share comes down to five or six, so the you know, 18 percent, I believe, is what he could get in Arizona. 
I still think he can have productive weeks. It's going to be much more matchup dependent, but Arizona is going to throw the ball. They're going to want to push the ball down the field. And now you're giving uh, Kyler Murray two big weapons on the outside to do so. And you're moving Christian Kirk into the slot. I think Christian Kirk is interesting, right? Um, Because now he's presumably going to be in the slot. He'll have better matchups there. Kyler tends to go to the slot a little bit more than he does, but we'll see how that um, transitions now that he has A.J. Green as well on the outside. I think this is a huge knock for for Christian Kirk, but it is a contract year for Christian Kirk. He has to prove himself or else he could be out of the league. Um, so I, I ultimately, I, I don't mind A.J. Green as a dart throw later on in drafts because I do think that there's some intrigue there. Yeah, I'm actually really interested in AJ Green, mostly for the touchdown aspect. I think he's a guy you could get later in in the in the game, and and would you be surprised if he ended up with eight to ten touchdowns next year, just because he is that big guy, big body uh, that they could use in the red zone. They needed someone. They haven't had a tight end uh, that they can rely on in the red zone. AJ Green has all the features: six four, two ten. Uh, yes, he's thirty two, but you can still jump up and catch the football and catch some touchdowns. I mean, James Jones was doing it for Aaron Rodgers later in his career. Um, I think that there's a possibility here that A.J. Green makes a, puts a stamp here. We have uh, we were out there. Uh, I was out there visiting you in Phoenix. We were listening to Sports Talk Radio. They were talking about, you know, maybe this actually opens up some things for A.J. Green because he doesn't have to deal, like you said, with the number one corner. He's going to have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in the locker room, keeping him focused, keeping him hungry. Larry Fitzgerald in the locker room, keeping him focused, keeping him ha- hungry. Maybe. I mean, as, as far as leadership in the locker room, uh, you've got it there in Arizona. And so that's something that could keep him, you know, I think if people are, are turned off by A.J. Green in, in his uh, last couple of days in Cincinnati, you're turned off by a guy who had saw the regime go to the peak and then follow down. He's going to get in on an Arizona ground floor that where their things are exciting for them right now. They've got the young quarterback, the young play callers, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera. So I think for me, uh, A.J. Green is actually a little bit exciting as a value late in drafts. Want to get to one of the bigger signings, uh, you know, more notable wide wide receiver signings. That's Will Fuller, Johnny, to Miami. Um, this one, can't say I was super impressed or, or excited by it, but you actually have a um, – you're, you're pretty excited about this one. Yeah, so Rob Shorter is as well. I said love the Fuller uh, – Will Fuller signing in Miami. Um, I am – I'm really excited about this. Like, I, I think that this is a – major major move not only for like i'm excited for miami like they're they're putting together a squad and uh, okay will fuller will miss the first game of this season because of the suspension we know that and so that is playing a part into you know will fuller's draft stock as of right now but listen this guy has repeatedly and this is why we're so on his case last year we were so impressed by the fact that he, when he is on the field, he is a wide receiver one. He was able to shine and and, and be step for step as far as uh, on the same field with DeAndre Hopkins. And there were weeks where Will Fuller was the dominant wide receiver. It wasn't Hopkins. And so we knew he had this kind of alpha tendency. And so coming into last year, we were really hyped on, on Will Fuller. And we were telling everybody and their mother to go and get uh, Will Fuller. And he was holding up, you know, he only had like one, he had one game where he kind of disappeared and we were wondering, Oh, is this the old Will Fuller? Uh, But then he bounced right back uh, the next, the next week. And he had 15.4 fantasy points and then followed that up with uh, 22.8 fantasy points uh, in weeks three and four against pretty stout defenses. Right. My point here is that, Will Fuller now is going to a team that was looking for that deep threat. What better threat than Will Fuller, who has uh, been one of the the best down-the-field targets uh, of any wide receiver in the league? Kenny G is probably the best. He was, and but he didn't play last year. Uh, but Will Fuller was one of the top guys. And now you bring that into an offense who wants to push the ball down the field now. They didn't have that. They were using Mike Jacecki in that role, who he was a tight end. He's a really good tight end, but let's be frank, he shouldn't be in that role. And so I'm really excited about what he can do. He can feed now off of uh, uh, Parker. 
Devontae Parker on the other side. Devontae Parker, the bigger, more physical wide receiver. I think that this is going to be a really good fit. I think that he's still a value. People are going to be a little bit scared off by Tua, but Tua, you got to know he was he was forcing the ball down the field. The problem was he just didn't have the wide receivers to be able to win those one-on-one matchups down the field or get open. Well, guess what? who can do that? Will Fuller can, and he's fast enough to do it uh, as well. So uh, 4-3-2, 40-yard dash, Travis, that's pretty fast. Yeah, I'm I'm a little hesitant. Uh, obviously, we know Will Fuller is a world beater. It, like he's going to get in there, and he has the ability to tilt the game. I mean, this is a guy who scored 50 points in games uh, from the position. But we talk about Drew Brees and and Tua at this in the same sentence, right? We talk about how they're accurate, at least in that in that sentence, they're both accurate. He's got mm-hmm. some of Drew Brees like accuracy with his game. Drew Brees last year yards per attempt, Johnny was 7.5. Okay. Tua's was 6.3. So uh, we talked about all last year how Drew Brees can't get the ball down the field anymore. It just didn't look like it. And Tua is is coming in even shorter than Drew Brees. Now, I like what you said there. Uh, That has to do with a lot lot with the the supporting cast around him. But he still had Mike Kosicki, Preston Williams for eight games. Preston Williams, I know not great, not, not a high prospect, but was decent, showed flashes of a good player. I have some concerns that we are giving Will fuller credit for playing with deshaun watson and transferring over to a guy like tua when we haven't really seen the full story on tua now miami seems to be confident they're trading mean, those- open will fuller was on some of those bombs dude of you could you could have thrown those dives in there because <laughs> I, pro- I probably could have uncle rico probably could have yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I get it that it's there. Um, I would just be hesitant to put him where we were putting him when he was with Houston. I just can't do that yet. I, I don't have enough tape on Tua. I don't have enough faith in the offense in Miami to put it where Houston was at because Deshaun and and Will Fuller, we forget how kindred their chemistry was right from the get-go. They just started going from, um, from Watson's rookie year. So for me, that's just kind of uh, where I'm at with it, but I don't mind it. I think it's one of the more exciting um, signings in this in this kind of weird offseason. Uh, but Will Fuller is, you know, a guy I've been touting for a lot of years. I'll be excited to see where he ends up falling ADP wise and doing more case study on that and understanding if if he's going to be a value there. All right, um, we're going to rapid fire through a few of these, Johnny. Just uh, not not too big hierarching fantasy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton back to Indy. Look, I wish I could say more about Wentz's ability to get T.Y. the ball and what I want to do. We can't really say much yet. We'll have to see how the chemistry works in training camp. Sammy Watkins to Baltimore. Uh Johnny could spend two hours, but we don't have that kind of time talking about how bad the Baltimore offense is for wide receivers, how bad Lamar Jackson is at throwing to wide receivers, and how bad Sammy Watkins has been the last few years. So all of that in a nutshell means Sammy Watkins to Baltimore, meh. Don't really know if we care too much. John Brown to Las Vegas. This one is interesting. You know, you talk about Henry Ruggs being the burner for them. This was the fastest wide receiver uh, that was drafted last year's draft. But then they bring in a guy like Smokey John Brown, who's been known as the burner and the deep threat. So what are they trying to do? Are they trying to just spread the field? Are they trying to get Ruggs more of the X wide receiver role and move him around? That will be interesting uh, in that respect. Don't know too much about where I want to put John Brown just yet. We'll have to see how that comes out. Marvin Jones to Jacksonville. Uh, This, Johnny, just kind of seems like a meh thing to me. Uh, He's not going to be with Stafford, who we know they had the chemistry with, where we know he kind of overachieved in Detroit. Uh, I would just be kind of a little bit concerned uh, about what you could do there. Uh, Late round dart throw, maybe. I like LaVisca Chenault better. I like DJ Shark better. Um, And so we could just see what ends up happening there. Corey Davis to the New York Jets. Johnny, this has more to do First, speak very quickly on Corey Davis to the Jets, if you think there's anything there worth noting, and then speak more about what it means for A.J. Brown over at the Tennessee Titans. I think with Corey Davis, I think he could he has an opportunity, opportunity to be a target monster there. Um, and and we've seen what he can do when he gets targets. He kind of broke out. Uh, he's had he had multiple games in which he had 10-plus targets, and he was able to be a dominant fantasy wide receiver he was a very nice flex play uh pickup for you if you were to get Corey davis and you look at where he's going now there's a little bit of speculation will it be sam darnold will it be zach wilson i'll tell you if it's zach wilson i'll be 
a little bit more intrigued just because I think the upside goes up. Um, but I do think that Corey Davis is worth the late round uh, dart throw in drafts. He's going super late. You could basically get him for free and uh, you're not having to pay for what he did uh, last year, which is, is always nice. But you also like to see uh, what the upside is for a guy like Corey Davis uh, and uh, look just real quick. Sorry, my uh, computer's just being a little laggy. I want to get the points per game uh, because it was quite impressive. You thirteen point seven. So uh, wide receiver thirty two. Uh, once again, he is being undrafted. So uh, when he's going to a team that where he could be the guy. So I, I think I like Corey Davis. And then touching on AJ Brown, love AJ Brown. They didn't really sign anybody of note. They could go through the draft. You know. Don't tell me, you know, don't tell me uh, Josh Reynolds is a uh, draft draft note uh, wide receiver over there. It's looking like all systems go for AJ Green to be, a, you know, top ten wide receiver this year, maybe a top five. I do expect them to get a wide receiver in the draft, but they should all funnel, especially with Joni Smith now gone as well. That's even more targets uh, that should just be funneled to AJ AJ Brown. All right, that brings us to our next wide receiver. And this one, man, this one's wild to me. Juju Smith-Schuster signs a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just have a couple things to say before, Johnny, you get into the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was the highest... Uh, maybe touted one of one of the highest touted wide receivers that was going to hit the market. We wanted to see him sign with a team that needed a slot wide receiver. Uh, he was getting pitched by a lot of teams, multi-year contracts, big money contracts, Baltimore included, Kansas City included. Uh, I thought Green Bay was going to be in the mix for Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju then goes on his social media and says, Pittsburgh for life, you know, puts the the wolf of wall street i'm not freaking leaving i'm not leaving video up and it's like dude you signed a one-year deal for chump change back with pittsburgh so you can do this whole thing again uh for somebody who says he just loves pittsburgh so much why did you sign a one-year deal with them um i i just don't get it i think maybe take less money when like your whole thing was about like oh i want to make the most money in free agency it just didn't make any sense yeah, and I think at the end of the day, he decided probably I want to bet on myself. You know, the market maybe wasn't what he thought it would be. He wanted to yeah. prove that he was better than what they showed last year, all of those things. So, Johnny, I now need to talk to you about what it means for fantasy football with Juju Smith-Schuster. We obviously talk about noodle arms with Drew Brees and whether Tua can get the ball down the field. We saw Pittsburgh uh, and Ben Roethlisberger consistently get the ball down the field, just not complete it. Uh, he was throwing it deep enough. His accuracy was just way off, and so – that affected Juju Smith-Schuster in a way that he had his lowest yards per uh, reception uh, in his career. He was definitely more of a possession-wide receiver, but he got saved and bailed out by a lot of touchdowns last year. We can't really bank on that, but could we bank on an increased, you know, a Juju resurgence back to what we saw a couple years ago when AJ, uh, when AJ, when AJ Brown was there? I I don't expect those kind of days. I think that those days are, and and frankly, I think that that's what you're seeing as well with. You know, teams, teams don't think that he could do that as well. Um, I I think he's a very good wide receiver. I think he's more of a wide receiver two, wide receiver three flex play, you know, with upside. But the thing, but we have to be real. Like you said, Ben Roethlisberger, his arm isn't what he, what it used to be. And so does that necessarily affect Juju a whole lot? Not necessarily because Juju was taking the, you know, the, the shallower routes, the over-the-middle routes, that those ones were fine. Ben wasn't struggling getting the ball to those routes. So I think ultimately, like he, what we saw of him last year is what he is. Like that's what we need to um, expect going into next year. I don't think you know that it's he's going to be a top wide receiver uh, with Pittsburgh. It may. Like you said, it was a little frustrating following the you know the cookie crumbs that that Juju was leaving because everything that he was saying and then what he ended up doing was completely different and he could have. I mean, I agree with the Baltimore thing. I'll just say I, I agree with him not wanting to go to Baltimore because you want to get target. I, I get that part, but like there were other options that we had heard about where he was going to be more so the guy or have better options and he still chose to go with Pittsburgh. So, Hey, um, love, love where you live. I guess that's what he wanted to do. And and so he did that ultimately. But I think 
when you look at this, I think Deontay Johnson, his value same stays the same. I, I I still think he's the best one that you want in this trio. And I think ultimately it hurts Chase Claypool because, like you said, the inaccuracy. But Chase Claypool's the down the field guy, and that was where it was struggling with Big Ben. So um, that that's. That's where yeah, it was I'm actually going to piggyback off what you said there. I think this actually Big Ben's production down the field actually hurts Claypool more than all three, the right. most in all three of them, right? Yeah. So I piggyback that what you said. If we look at Juju um, just at a case level, let's let's throw out 2019 where he only played 12 games, uh, and also Ben was hurt. 2020, 2018, 2017. Obviously AJ Brown in there, and, and you had some things like that. But seven touchdowns, seven touchdowns, and nine touchdowns. You like that. You think that he could stay somewhere in between there. Um, 79 targets, 166 targets, 128 targets. So I would say 125 targets, again, isn't without out of the question. Um, yards, per, yards per target was low this year, 6.49 as opposed to 8 or 11 in the years previous. Yards per catch, uh, 8.5 as opposed to 12 and 15 those yards. So that's where we talked about he's going to be the lower volume or the lower yardage passes, um, and that's going to affect him. But, Johnny, finishing as a PPR 17 wide receiver, uh, as high as wide receiver 8, and then wide receiver 20 in 2017, I think he's going to live somewhere in there. Uh, wide receiver 15 to 25, 24-ish um, as a PPR wide receiver. And I think that's pretty valuable uh, if you don't have to pay the premium we've had to pay in the years past. So I actually think Juju is going to be a little bit of a value. I would like to pump the brakes on the Juju hate. Just don't think of him as the wide receiver one that we were thinking a couple years ago. Think that of he him is as a TikTok star. And, yeah. and you'll be okay. <laughs> Give him as the TikTok star dancing on yeah. the logos. Yeah. All right, Johnny, we're going to talk about Kenny Galladay to the New York Giants. Uh, this has a this has a potential to get a little bit heated. Uh, Kenny Galladay, it's no secret to Whisper Nation if they know, uh, was my bromance last year, obviously got injured, did not pan out. He will now go play for my other bromance last year, Daniel Jones, who I am completely off of. But, Johnny, <laughs> tell me why you think, uh, you know, because I, I do not, if you think that this is good for fantasy purposes for Kenny Galladay, for Daniel Jones, if there's anything here, if there's if there's gold within oh. this signing. Oh, there is absolutely, absolutely gold within this signing. And I love it. I love the fact that when other people look at this, they see they look and they see fool's gold because I that's fine with me because I'll pick it up. I'll dust it off. I'll, I'll put a little spit on it, and uh, I'll tell you that this is very, very good news, and I'll tell you why. You look at Travis's boy, um, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, as we like to call him. He struggled a little bit last year with the Danny Dimes oh, part, right? Uh, just a little bit, right? He he didn't right. he didn't. That's a generous. That's a generous characterization. Hey. <laughs> But when you look at his supporting cast of efficiency, it was ranked 31st in the league at negative 11.85. And that is uh, how that is. That number is composited it is a an efficiency of excuse, an efficiency of surrounding skill position players measured by aggregating the weighted production uh, premiums of all running backs, wide receivers and tight end teammates. OK, and they ranked. 31st. Now you go out and you get a guy like Kenny G and I like, let's just, let's just take a second. Like I understand Kenny G didn't play like at all last year. Let's presume Kenny G is, is okay, which I'm, I'm assuming he is because they signed him to a huge contract. So I'm presuming that he signed or that he passed all the, the necessary uh, health problems and health flags. Right. The reason why this is a big deal is you look at where Danny Dimes, uh, what what he was missing last year, right? The 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 what he was missing was the deep ball to to Darius Slayton. We all knew that uh, once once he got these other weapons like Ingram and um, you know he and um, Sterling Shepard back, that you know the easy completions were 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 fine for him. He just didn't have that deep ball target. Well, they went out and got the best one. They they went out and got the best deep ball target wide receiver in the league. And once again, discredit last year because he was injured, right? But if you look at two years ago, Kenny G was the number one deep ball target wide receiver from Matthew Stafford. He had 37 deep ball targets um, and he had a 21% 
a target market share that year. And and when you look at what he was doing on a fantasy points per game uh, numbers, 15 and a half fantasy points per game, which ranked 12th, Travis. We were really excited about that. I understand Daniel Dimes, uh, we're, we're worried about his consistency and his accuracy, but I will say if you're getting a playmaker like Kenny G in there, that is going to give you an advantage. Like think, and I'm not, people are going to jump on me. I mentioned this to you and you got a little frustrated, but I'm just saying, think of what we saw with Diggs coming to Josh Allen and how that really helped him because it added to what his, um, you know, it was a, a missing link to his uh, passing production. I think we're going to see something very, very similar with Danny Dimes and Kenny G. I'm very excited about this. I think yeah, this now I, puts. I think, you know, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones could get a bump. He could go from like QB 24 to QB 22 or something no. like that. I think that's possible. Um, I think a couple of things are working against you here, Johnny. History would say that a wide receiver changing team does not usually pan out uh, for that wide receiver. Sure. So we were going to say that because, look, you can say what you want about Daniel Jones. He's not – he can't hold Matthew Stafford's jockstrap right now. Like, it's not even close, okay? So we could talk about the deep ball thrower, like – or deep ball accuracy or deep He couldn't ball. even touch it? You No, he could look at it, maybe. Okay, Math, you could talk about – you just talked about Kenny G being one of the best deep ball wide receivers there are, Right. He was with one of the best deep ball throwing quarterbacks for his whole career in Matthew Stafford. Hey, la- last year, just last year, Danny Dimes, believe it or not, ranked seventh in deep ball completion percentage uh, of all quarterbacks at 46.2%. Sure. Okay. Now let me tell you some other things that happened with Daniel Jones. Okay. okay. In the last two years he's played, he's never finished better than QB 24 in fantasy. Okay. No. He's had Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate for a lot of those last two years, a good amount of those times. Neither of none of those guys have eclipsed a hundred targets in any season. None of, none of those three no. in, in the last two years with him. Okay. None of them have gotten inside the top 30 of wide receivers. Of any of those three guys, none of them in the last two years. The the closest thing to production with Daniel Jones is Evan Ingram, who got 109 targets last year. And you're like, man, that's a lot of targets. Finished as the tight end 19. Okay. Daniel Jones, I don't want to hear, like, I know they rated his 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 efficiency of, of his people, but we say all the time that Evan Ingram's super talented. We say all the time that yeah. that Sterling Shepard's super talented. Golden Tate in his heyday was one of the best slot possession wide receivers we've had. So well, I don't that was like 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But I don't understand why we keep giving Daniel Jones breaks and then say, oh, let's throw a bunch of money at Kenny Galladay, and that should fix all of our problems. I'm not buying it. I think depending on where the ADP settles, Kenny Galladay will be fine as like, you know, a a possession wide receiver one. But I think he's going where like people think he's like Allen Robinson, you know, and like, yeah, Mitch Trubisky made Allen Robinson great or not great, but he like he he didn't make him great. He he made like he was able to keep him great. Uh, and I think that's a possibility here, but Daniel Jones like has not put anything on tape for me to be inspired. Um, and so it would be just all in faith on Kenny Galladay, which I think is possible. You know, I I think it's definitely possible. I I just have some hesitancy based on some of the numbers we've seen. I I think what you're seeing here was for nation is a lover that has been scorned <laughs> by uh, his by his lover. It's like uh, Michael Scott in the office. I think I'm ready to get hurt again. I don't you think know? you are, though. That's the reality I, that you're telling me. I am with not else. ready to get hurt. I am again. with somebody else, not with Kenny G. All right, fair enough. I'll tell you who you're about. You you do want to be in love with, and you are ready to get hurt by again. And that is the next and final guy on our list here, Travis. Yeah, Ryan Fitzmagic. Ryan Fitzmagic going to the Washington football team. Remember, I, I got to hound it out. Ryan Weiss of uh, Fantasy uh, Club, Fantasy FFL. He's at the Fantasy Five on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow him there. Um, he said, I would love Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington, but it looks like he's going to retire. And then, boom, it happened. Ryan Fitzpatrick signs uh, with Washington. And look, I'll just tell you right now, I'll, I'll, I won't bury the lead here. I am so excited for basically one player. Um, only on Washington. I know Johnny's going to have a different take than me on this, but I'm excited for Antonio Gibson. Yeah. And I know the big, you know, everybody's going to fall in love with 
Terry McLaurin and he the deep threat that he's going to be for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's great. Terry's going to do great. I love Scary Terry. He's great. Uh, but Antonio Gibson was really, really special last year with quarterback play that was very uninspiring. And I think if you got a guy like Fitzpatrick who's going to keep drives alive, who's going to keep them involved in games, who's going to keep – uh, you know, moving the chains. Antonio Gibson is going to be a guy that we're going to be happy to take in that cluster of second year guys uh, because he's easily going to be have huge upside in the North or the Scott Turner offense as that CMC prototype. The usage for Antonio Gibson could be through the roof if they really turn the keys over to him in his second year. Remember, he didn't start getting the passing game work till later in the year for Washington. That's his forte, Johnny. He is a converted wide receiver into the running back position. He was way more efficient as a runner last year, which I think they did that by design. Washington said, hey, look, we'll bring in J.D. McKissick. We'll take that load off of you. Just focus on learning how to run the football. And I think he did that, and he showed some real good moves last year and so so showed some real good elusivity. And I think that Antonio Gibson's going to be poised for a breakout year, and Fitzmagic does nothing but help that. And I think that might get buried a little bit this year with Terry McLaurin being the really hype hype guy that people are excited about. And Johnny, I, I got to guess, I, we haven't really talked too much about that, but that's where your focus has, has been a lot on is Terry McLaurin and what Fitzmagic means to that to him. Well, I, I, I do think that I, I love the take that you have on Gibson. I I do think that Gibson is a much more intriguing name and kind of a slept on name in the second round of free draft leagues right now. Um, but overall, I'm really excited about this whole offense. And I think that people are kind of sleeping on this offense because you also have to realize they went out and got Curtis Samuel as well. And I, I don't expect them, even though Curtis Samuel did have some carries and, and touches um that I, I don't expect him to get a whole lot of that in Washington. But I do think that having another guy like Curtis Samuel on the opposite side of Terry McLaurin is going to help Wanders. I think Terry McLaurin already is a beast wide receiver. He just didn't have the right quarterback to uh, to get him the ball. Now you're talking about Logan Thomas there. You're, you're really seeing pieces. And I think that this Washington football team could have a night, a lot of nice pieces to it. And we've seen Ryan Fitzmagic really support fantasy wide receivers and running backs before. So I was really excited when I saw the Ryan Fitzmagic going to Washington. Um, I instantly was super hyped for, um, you know, Terry McLaurin and obviously and Gibson, but I do think a low key signing and we're not going to talk about him a whole lot today, but um, was the Curtis Samuel signing. I think that that will really help open up this offense where you can't, you know, stack the box. You can't double team Terry McLaurin. Uh, and it really gives, it really gives Fitzmagic some options. And I do think that he is going to be speak about, you know, guys that you can stream quarterbacks. If you're, you know, late in, in drafts and your guys get taken, Fitzmagic is going to be able to put up numbers for you. And that defense is good too. I love the Curtis Samuel take. We need to remember even for Terry McLaurin. Actually, I, I might like it more for Terry McLaurin than even uh, for Curtis Samuel. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's because we look at Terry McLaurin's numbers and uh, the whole knock has always been, well, he's doing it when teams know he's the only guy. Mm -hmm. And now they can't do that, like you said. And you pointed it out there well, where it's like they're not going to be able to just do that every time. So it's some, mm -hmm. some exciting stuff. Uh, we're glad we got to break some of this stuff down with you, Whisper Nation. Uh, this is just the beginning for us. This is just the very tip of the iceberg as far as the offseason is concerned. We are now going to start selling our draft kit on pre-sale soon. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you're supporting us over on patreon.com by searching the Fantasy Whispers. And, of course, going to the thefantasywhispers.com where we have all of our swag and all of our articles and all the good stuff going on over there. I am Big Travi. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. You got any final thoughts for the people, Johnny? Nope. Just uh, we'll be live. We'll be doing our live show now every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if you are listening to this later and want to join in on the live show, ask us some questions. Make sure you uh, subscribe. All right. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.